The race to 5G is on, and the battle for talent is getting fierce. Welcome to 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, a podcast dedicated to helping you face the future workforce head on. Navigate this challenging talent landscape with innovative strategies to attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. Only here on 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, CEO of Broadstaff Talent Solutions. Thanks for joining me today on 5G Talent Talk. I'm Carrie Charles, your host, and I am so happy that you are here. We have an exciting episode for you in the studio, actually not in the studio. I wish he was in the studio, but he's so busy. I don't think I could ever get you in the studio. Um, I have with me Christos Karmas. He is the U.S. CEO of Bolden Networks. Christos, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. All right. Well, thank you, Carrie. Thank you for having me. Good, good to speak with you. Yes, yes. So, uh, Christos, tell me, you know, how did you how did you get to where you are today? I know that's a long story and just you know, maybe some highlights of your journey to the seat that you're in now. Sure, sure, Carrie. So, you know, it's really um, probably like a lot of people where I sort of stumbled into the industry and, and into the role that I'm in. Um, I think it really started, you know, I've always had a passion for engineering and, and technology. And, you know, I went to school and I studied engineering and, and really enjoyed that. And then my first job out of college was with a company called uh, Harris Communications. And so, you know, as the name suggests, they're a big communications company, particularly in the defense sector, and they're doing a lot of work in space, which is really kind of why I chose to to end up there. And, you know, it was an amazing company. Uh, the technology was amazing. If you just think about, you know, how communications actually works, right, sort of the details of it. I mean, pretty, pretty amazing. Um, and so I really I enjoyed that that position. But after a few years, I realized, you know, there's a lot more that I didn't know that I came to sort of realize that I, I didn't really comprehend at that time coming out of engineering school. And, you know, at that time in engineering school, they don't really teach you about finance, accounting, marketing, management. I mean, they probably they probably do now, but it, at that time, you know, they they really didn't. So I decided to go back and, and get my MBA. And so I did that and then uh, did an intern for this small company called Deloitte, you know, that you that you may know. <laughs> okay. And it was really it was a great company. You know, I, uh, I love the work. I love uh, going into looking at different organizations, uh, the people, you know, super smart, very driven. Uh, so I did an intern there between my two years, and they offered me a job when I finished my second year, and I, and I jumped on that and uh, really enjoyed working there. And, you know, as the guy that had the communications background, you know, Deloitte was doing a lot of work at that time for the wireless carriers, you know, as you can imagine, that was maybe 2001. Um, and so, you know, we had big customers with companies like Nextel and Singular and, you know, some other brands that, you know, kind of worked uh, throughout the years. And so we did a lot of work around, you know, how to help those carriers build out their network infrastructure, whether it was how to do it uh, more effectively from a financial perspective, you know, how to help with lease administration, process, systems, uh, all, all those types of projects. And I, I really sort of love the industry and I love the people I was working with and, and the clients that we were working with. And it was an exciting time because everybody was building out their network so, you know, so aggressively. And, you know, then this little thing happened with Enron. Uh, and all of a sudden, you know, if you worked at Deloitte or any of these big audit companies, you, know, you couldn't continue to provide consulting services. And and so I really had to look around and decide, you know, wh- what what to do, because uh, a lot of the clients we were consulting with basically, you know, couldn't continue to, to have Deloitte do consulting services because they were the, the audit. And, you know, at that time, I decided it was time for me to sort of look to do something different. And. Uh, you know, I kind of joined this startup tower company that essentially was uh, started with a few people from uh, formerly from, from Deloitte who 
you know, weren't done in the industry, you know, I would say were really enjoyed what we were doing and wanted to continue to do that. And that was really sort of the genesis of mobility. And in those in those days, and that was probably around 2005, you know, most of the business was focused around sort of the tower infrastructure and how do we continue to build out towers, you know, under a model that's fast but makes sense financially. Um, and then the business really kind of started off as a essentially as a, as a tower company. Um, and really, you know, I, I joined the company at that time. I was really focused on uh, growing our business with Nextel. I don't know if you can remember that, that, that before the Sprint merger. Um, and really just never looked back and kind of went from Nextel to, you know, different carriers and kind of grew up in the organization and ended up running the, the business here in the U.S. And then through a series of different mergers and recapitalizations, uh, we basically are no longer the Bolton Networks brand uh, globally. So I think, you know, I think we're one of the largest neutral host infrastructure companies. And I would argue, you know, one of the most innovative ones as well. And we've got a great team of people at the company. It's, uh, I think everyone's excited for uh, what we're accomplishing in the industry. I think excited to be under the Bolden brand going forward. So it's, it's a great time and just super fortunate to have built the relationships I have and have a great team uh, of people, you know, at the company that we work with every day. Let's go a little deeper into the Bolden story. And uh, maybe you can talk about the companies that were integrated, uh, go a little bit, you know, a little bit more into the services that you provide, who you serve, et cetera. Just uh, tell us more. Tell us more. <laughs> <laughs> sure. sure. There's, there's a lot to tell. Um, so uh, this company that, you know, most people in the U.S. haven't heard of before called BAI Communications, uh, they basically acquired mobility uh, several, you know, several years back. And the only other investment they had in the U.S. was this other company based in New York called Transit Wireless. And so in the U.S., uh, we operated, we continued to operate mobility as mobility. Transit Wireless continued to operate as Transit Wireless. And BAI Communications, it really was really more of a global firm, right? They've had a huge presence in Australia. Uh, you know, they run transit networks in Hong Kong. They have a business in UK, Ireland, Europe, uh, at that time in Canada. And so the, the biggest portion of BI communications was really all international, except for the mobility acquisition and, and transit wireless. And so we continued to operate those businesses. We kind of knew we needed to sort of figure out what to do longer term. And then along the way, you know, we decided there was a it was a great opportunity to acquire another business in the U.S. Uh, called Signal Point Systems. And, you know, we uh, knew the team at Signal Point fairly well. You know, we were big believers in kind of their mission to provide communication solution to military bases, essentially, right? They're one of the largest providers of connectivity to, to military bases. So that was a segment that uh, I think we were excited to enter into the market and, you know, difficult to enter in, sort of into that without uh, any history. And so Signal Point sort of gave us a team, gave us a presence to, to go do that. And then uh, just because, you know, we sort of everyone was bored and didn't have much to do. <laughs> Then we decided, you know, there's this other company in the U.S. called Zenfi Networks. You know, if you remember, remember Zenfi. So uh, Ray Lachance and Victoria Lambert, right, great, great team at, at, at Zenfi. We were really bullish in terms of uh, the potential for smart cities. You know, we loved what the uh, legacy businesses had in New York already without Zenfi. It was super complimentary to say, how do we have an even bigger business in New York with a fiber business, with a larger outdoor small cell business, with a big smart city business around the link? Uh, the link kiosks that Zenfi had. And so, uh, you know, we ended up acquiring Zenfi and then we looked around and, and there was really sort of two big challenges that we had as a, I think, a global business and, and a U.S. business. You know, one was we had all, all these different brands. It was super confusing to everybody we spoke to, you know, who's Mobility or Zenfi or Signal Point. 
uh, or transit. So who, you know, who are we working with as customers, you know, as our U.S. customers? And then, you know, we have a lot of customers that are also global in nature. And, you know, we're talking to them with our colleagues in Europe and then trying to explain, you know, who BAI is uh, as an even more complicated sort of explanation. So we said, you know, we, we really need to do two things. One, we need to have a globe, one global brand for the whole company that everybody can rally behind. And then separately, we said we, in the U.S. specifically, we've got four different, not just sort of brands, but really kind of four different management teams, essentially. And so we also have to integrate all the all four U.S. businesses under one management team. So in the last year, right, we've worked hard. We uh, decided instead of keeping one of the legacy names that we would roll out a brand new name. And, and uh, you know, that sounds easy to do, but, you know, trust me, it's it's complex uh, process to do that and, and make sure it works, you know, not just in one country, but in all the countries that we want to operate in. And so we rolled out the Bolden Networks brand, which is really a combination of sort of bold and dynamic as sort of the genesis of Bolden. Um, but it took a lot, you know, a lot more research and time than just sort of coming up with that that for the name. And then on on uh, June 28th, we rolled out sort of the new management structure for the combined U.S. business. And what I think worked out really well for us is each business was really sort of focused in a different part of the industry. So there wasn't a lot of overlap in terms of like the the asset base or like what the teams were doing individually. So it was really a case where the synergies of bringing all these companies together was how do we provide better services. How do we sort of leverage what everybody else is doing, not just in the U.S., but also globally to sort of do a better job, you know, for our customers. So um, it was, you know, a lot of work to get uh, through the integration. Obviously, there's still some things lingering around the back office, ERP and those types of things. But we're, I think, in a great spot from a marketplace perspective. One brand, one team, everyone's fully aligned. So I don't want to undermine sort of or underestimate, you know, how much work uh, the team has sort of invested to bring us to the point that we are today. but. I think, you know, we're very fortunate and, and very excited for the future. And yes, yes. And your, your question, you know, like what markets are we into and sort of how do we think of the marketplace? I think we, we looked around and we do a lot of different things and, and we really kind of boiled them down to sort of four main sort of categories. And the, the first one really being probably around like connected transport or connected transit. Uh, and we've run, you know, these wireless networks at these complex transit networks around the globe. So we really are sort of the leader in terms of how to provide connectivity to these sort of very complex uh, transit systems, you know, metro rail type networks that are difficult to work in, difficult to engineer solutions for, difficult to operate and, and maintain. So that's a big part of what we do. Um, you know, that could be the tunnel infrastructure, it could be stations, uh, it could be the track site systems, whether it's uh, looking at how we're installing the fiber plant and how we're leveraging that for our small cell and connectivity infrastructure, all the way down to the in-train solution and how are we helping to provide the connectivity actually inside the train uh, to people as well. So this is a very uh, key part of what we do. You know, we've got major networks where we run this in the U.S., uh, in, in the Bay Area, in San Francisco, in New York, uh, piggybacking up what, what Transit has started, right? a lot of work happening in, in New York and Seattle and, and sort of markets. So for us, you know, one major segment is sort of connected transit. And then maybe the second segment for us is what we call our connected venue and enterprise business. And this is really our indoor DAS type solutions. And, and this started really uh, early on with sports and entertainment type venues when in-building really became, uh, solutions became necessary, especially with the advent of the iPhone. And, you know, today we operate networks across all industry verticals. So not just sports and entertainment, but hospitality, you know, real estate, higher education, healthcare, we're, we're pretty much in every in every vertical. And, and this has become 
I think, you know, more exciting every year because it's kind of gone from just like a network for the carriers to really a network for the enterprise and for uh, a network that everyone sort of expects to have, you know, connectivity with. So, you know, we could be providing not just the 5G neutral host as, but also the Wi-Fi uh, network. We have a huge Wi-Fi business in addition to our cellular business. And then, you know, we're starting to do more and more in the private network space. So regardless of what the technology is, you know, that sort of connected venue is a, a key piece of what, of what we do. And then maybe the third, the third uh, sort of segment for us is what we call our next gen infrastructure. So this is think of that as like our outdoor infrastructure, right? I mean, we built thousands of communication towers, right? Thousands of outdoor small cells. We run some pretty large fiber networks around the country that uh, we're leveraging not just for not just for our wireless infrastructure, but also as a commercial fiber plant uh, where we have wholesale customers and we're tied into data center. So we've got a, a decent sized sort of fiber business, I would say, in some strategic markets for ourselves. And then maybe the, the fourth segment is what we call our connected city and connected community uh, solutions. And those really kind of come in two categories. One, it's really smart city. And, you know, think of smart city as uh, like what we're doing in New York with our link solution, where we're providing the connectivity to people uh, in that scenario. It's Wi-Fi, obviously it can be small cells and, and, and other, uh, other technologies as well. But you know, it's the largest uh, contiguous, you know, metro Wi-Fi network in the country in New York, right? So it, it provides a significant amount of connectivity for people. And, you know, it's not just to, for people to stream and, you know, grab their Uber. But if you think about it, right, there's a lot of underserved areas traditionally where we're providing the backbone of connectivity for people for that. Um, and then I think if you fast forward in the future and you start to think about how do those networks start to get leverage for uh, municipal and sort of city initiatives around sustainability and climate change and those types of things like we're confident those types of metro smart city networks become more and more important uh, over time and then probably the second piece of our connected city infrastructure is around our military segment and we think of that as like the smart base infrastructure and how are we providing connectivity to our military men and women and their families whether it's in the base at home uh what it might be and so we've got a, a large business where we're providing that connectivity to uh you know what has been sort of relatively shamefully a underserved, you know, part of the industry that certainly deserves, you know, more robust connectivity solutions. So that's, you know, we're highly, highly focused on that. So those are, those are kind of like our four big, uh, four big areas. If you think about it, connected transit, connected venues, next gen infrastructure, and then sort of the connected cities. And there's a, there's a whole lot underneath all those, but that's, um, that's really kind of what we're focused on. And, uh, you know, we've got high number of, you know, all segments. Right now. Yes. Like, one-stop shop. Sounds like you uh, you do it all there, Christos. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not me. It's the team. But yeah, it's, uh, we've got a great team. Yes, yes. We'll get to that in a few minutes. I want to hear all about it. Uh, one other thing I'd like to know, just from your opinion, there's a lot going on in the industry lately, uh, a lot not going on. You know, just things are, things are a little different. What are some trends that you're seeing industry-wide? Let's say, let's look a little further out. I mean, obviously in 2024, but maybe over the next few years. And how is Bolden aligning with those trends? You mentioned private network. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But what are some other things you're seeing? Sure. I mean, there's a lot going on. I think um, so. one of the biggest trends we're seeing is, I mean, obviously everyone's sensitive to cost, but really what we're seeing is uh, more and more large enterprises realizing that, you know, it's important to them and there's an expectation that they have great connectivity. So it's kind of shifted from everybody always looking to the carriers to sort of solve problems to now more and more enterprises saying, hey, I have to have the responsibility and the accountability to make sure that I have, you know, good connectivity 
you know, at my location. And so, you know, what, what we're doing is we're investing heavily in what we call our sort of enterprise team. So, you know, we're working with large enterprises every day uh, for connectivity, really sort of balancing their, their needs and what they need, working with the carriers as well. So sometimes, you know, we've got multiple different types of customers, you know, for a particular network. Um, but we're really seeing a lot of that. And I think particularly in some verticals like commercial real estate is a great example where, you know, people want connectivity, you know, in the building where they work, uh, especially with people returning to work, you know, post-COVID, right? I mean, more and more real estate owners know that you have to have a great property to lease it out to somebody who's trying to get their workforce, you know, back in the office and everybody expects great connectivity. And, you know, if you look at the carriers from a financial perspective, right, they can't afford to be in every real estate building, you know, across the country that would like to assist them. And so I think, you know, that's a great example where the industry sort of pivoted and said, hey, the, the, the best way to build out that infrastructure is to have the enterprise or the real estate owner sort of take responsibility to sort of engage directly to install those systems. So like we have a large team that just works with our uh, real estate owners, to, especially in the commercial real estate space, to ensure we're designing the systems and installing those in the properties really as the real estate owner sort of being the, the customer at the end of the day. And that's the network that the carriers can then leverage for connectivity. So I think there's sort of this shift of, of customer focus, I think, to where, yes, the carriers are, you know, for us will always be uh, key customers, but also we have a lot of enterprise customers as well. And so it's, I think it's healthy for the business. And I think financially it's great for the carriers because it, it lightens the financial burden to them, you know, uh, for the infrastructure getting installed. And then I think, you know, maybe staying on that theme around sort of costs, right? If, if you look at it, you know, there's there's an opportunity still, and we're confident in, in it to carry bits and bytes sort of cheaper uh, and, and more effectively, right? We have a large Wi-Fi business, and and we see the results of what we're offloading on Wi-Fi networks, right? And that's a great example of you know a technology that I think you know a lot of people have uh, utilized, but not nearly to the extent that you know it can provide you know great connectivity still. And and I think sort of the next layer of that will be leveraging the CBRS spectrum and sort of the, the Moken gateways and the ability to look at shared shared spectrum or shared RAN installations as a uh, architecture to provide, you know, cheaper solutions than having to install either individual carrier systems or even the more traditional uh, neutral host, right? It, it's all a different form of a neutral host solution, but there's just an ability to do that in a way that we can deliver a solution much cheaper as well. And so I think the industry is pivoting now, right? You're starting to see some cases where the carriers are experimenting with this. So we're bullish this is going to become bigger and bigger and you know we've got a great technology team that uh, we've expanded and, and really uh scale to to stay ahead of those trends and then i think maybe the the last area like you mentioned is around private networks and we're uh, obviously really big believers in terms of uh the marketplace for private networks uh the types of customers that that opens up that wouldn't be traditional sort of public venue customers for ourselves um and we're investing heavily in that in the us and, and globally as well so can you back up a bit? Just just let's say I don't know what that means, right? What what do you mean by private network and who would benefit from it and why is it so growing so fast right now? Sure. It's a it's a great question. And and look, my my sort of definition of the way I think of a private network is really that it's a it's a standalone network that's providing, you know, broadband connectivity and it's sort of owned and controlled by the enterprise themselves. And that that type of network is really kind of what we're talking about. Um, 
And I think where that becomes, you know, very applicable and important is around sort of industrial and operational type of assets and use cases, you know, places that a carrier is typically going to say, hey, I don't have like a huge uh, consumer base going in this property. So, you know, it's not going to hit their radar of saying, hey, it's somewhere that they want to sort of invest in the network, right? Or we even if if we put it in as Bolden, the carrier is going to say, well, that's great, but there's not enough traffic there. It's really not not somewhere that's that important to them. But for whoever's running that business, right, connectivity is critical for them. And so if you think about like transit networks, you think about like warehouses, like manufacturing facilities, like energy plants, uh, ports, port type facilities, right? Th th those are ones where they're not going to hit somebody's definition of a venue for a public sort of neutral host as network. But all those businesses, you know, connectivity is critical to them. And and I think that's where it makes sense. And if you, if you start to look at like what benefits do people have with these private networks, I think there's a there's several key ones, right? I mean, first, uh, you know, reliable connectivity. And so if you look at, you know, somebody who needs connectivity for mission critical applications, it's a great network that can provide that type of reliable connectivity. You know, it's a carrier grade network essentially. So it's not it's not something that you know, somebody is going to want to sort of gamble critical connectivity going in and out of their venue or their operations of a manufacturing or warehouse facility, something that's, you know, has, you know, issues with it, even if it's only 1% of the time, right? It, it's a problem for people who are running these critical businesses. So, you know, they're highly reliable networks. I think if you look at the coverage and the ability to use, you know, high power equipment and cover like large campus environments, whether it's indoor or outdoor, like, think of like a port facility and how big a port facility is right it's it's a technology that is uh i hate to say easy because i i know nothing's really easy right but it's a technology that has like an easy application for those types of large coverage areas in a way that wi-fi is you know not gonna sort of be be realistic and then uh if you think about security right and sort of the encryption and the authentication you get with devices off these networks right that's hugely important all of those types of operational facilities. So I think you know, from a security perspective, that's really important. And then if you think about the versatility of use and how people want to leverage the network, right? They provide you know high data, high data rates, you know low latency applications. You can carry voice on the network, so you can use it for all the different types of sensors and, and sort of IoT applications that, that that those types of operational customers want. So it really has a lot of benefits and makes a lot of sense. Uh, and as connectivity has become more important, right, it's, I think, more critical uh, to have these networks and people are, are finding, you know, more and more ways to take advantage of those. And and if you think about it, like the, the reason there's so many use cases there, I think, is because when you start to extrapolate for those types of operational facilities, like the from those types of networks, right, it doesn't take a lot of efficiency improvements for somebody to relatively easy calculate an ROI and say, yep, it makes sense to sort of invest and have this network there. I mean, from a just a business process perspective, it's probably important, you know, from just allowing people or devices to stay connected, it's important. But if you just look at, you know, the value on small improvements and sort of operational efficiencies, it becomes really easy to say, yes, we should make an investment because of the clear and sort of direct translation to the ROI for that. And then I think, you know, the other piece is uh, everyone's obviously fo focused on safety and security, whether you're talking cybersecurity or just physical safety, you know, hugely important for people. And these, these networks also facilitate that. So I think that 
that ease of calculating the ROI without sort of a big leap of faith that somebody has to make on their part and safety and security have really sort of been two big drivers that have facilitated these numbers. So let's talk a bit about culture and, you know, what it's like to work at Bolden. I mean, I, I've, uh, I've heard, by the way, I've heard wonderful things about the new Bolden and from people who work there. And so, uh, but, but really, I know I've heard as well that culture's always been a top priority for you, Christos. How are you integrating the, the various company cultures, creating a new culture? Like what is, what is that like right now? And what's important to you with the Bolden culture? Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's critical, right? For, for integrating these businesses and, and for us to, to be successful. And we really have spent a lot of time on this and, and, um, we kind of looked around and actually for the business in the U.S. and globally, because we were also rolling out this brand globally. So we said, look, there's, there's a lot happening in the U.S. There's a lot happening globally. We want to have, uh, you know, we want to be the leaders in terms of culture for the business and, you know, have that be a key part of um, being the preferred place to work in the industry. And we really kind of looked around and we said, look, we, we came up with sort of four key principles, I think, as, as a business. And, and I'll describe these in a minute, but they're not just words, right? There's a whole series of behaviors under under each one of these. And and part of this is, you know, really identifying, you know, what culture do we want to have as a company in the U.S. and globally? And and how does that sort of set us apart? How do we use that to retain, you know, engage, attract, you know, the right, the right people? And so we said, look, well, one of the key, the first key principle is, you know, one team. And we said, look, we have to operate as one team. And that is one team globally, but also, you know, one team in the U.S. as we brought these businesses together. And I think helping people understand, you know, the, it, there's a lot happening in this business, like I just sort of talked about, all sorts of different customers and networks. And But at the end of the day, we all kind of come together and we say, look, how are we doing as a business? And people have to understand, look, yeah, we'll be successful in individual projects all the time, but really, how do we help everybody sort of be successful? How do we operate as one team? How do we engage and have an inclusive culture to get the best out of the all the you know for, you know the brain knowledge and, and the brain trust we have across the US and globally to kind of do a great job for our customers. And so um that this is really important. You know, it gets down to like diversity of people, it gets down to sort of a transparent collaborative culture. All that is, you know, part of what we sort of describe as sort of one team for everybody. And then we said sort of the second sort of principle was around sort of customer first. And and really taking the time to understand like what what pain points do our customers have? How do we help them solve problems? How do we think really, really big? You know, how do we deliver solutions that people aren't even asking for yet? Um, so like, let's make sure like everyone has a customer first mentality and we're doing a great job for our customers. And, you know, if without that, right, we're not gonna be successful for long if our customers aren't happy with this. So, um, and we felt like this was, particularly important with a new brand. We felt like in the U.S. that was particularly important with, you know, four different legacy businesses that were all sort of touching the same carriers, you know, a lot of times the same people to say, hey, how do we sort of simplify things from a customer perspective for us? And then, you know, the third one was around looking at how do we really drive sustainable growth in the organization? And so that's, you know, partially, okay, how are we thinking about the business sort of financially from a growth perspective, but also, you know, how are we, how does the back office functions work, right? How are we thinking about IT, you know, finance, HR, like all, all parts of the business operations, right? Network operations and like all that kind of comes into, you know, how do we scale the business for really sustainable growth uh, and to scale and to do that in a way that, you know, we don't lose people on the way from burnout and, and other things. 
And then I think sort of the fourth key principle was around sort of adapting and learning and us saying, look, the industry, as you know, right, it changes fast. Uh, and I think, you know, that's one of the things to me that's super exciting, right? It, every year, something fundamentally sort of changes with, with the industry. And so, you know, let's make sure people see that, hey, we're investing in them uh, from a development perspective, whether it's opportunities within the firm, whether it's training, um, you know, we're really sort of promoting people to look for ways to contribute uh, in the U.S. business. And also one of the nice things about being a global business is, right, we can pull from like private networks, for an example, that we just spoke about was more advanced in Europe and other parts of the globe than they were in the U.S. So we've been able to take a lot of the learnings there you know, let our team sort of learn from that and then apply it in the U.S. and maybe vice versa with neutral host ads networks that were more developed here in the U.S., less so in Europe. So there's a lot of opportunities where we've been able to get our people excited about being part of sort of this global business and uh, looking for ways to, I think, grow their careers and contribute uh, from that. And so those are, to me, like kind of operating as one team, you know, focusing on customer, you know, driving growth, and then having this sort of culture of adapting and learning for, for employees. And then all the host of sort of details underneath those uh, that sort of have driven the culture that we have is, I think, you know, a key part of that. So is there anything that you see or could pinpoint that's really working for your your leaders, your teams to attract, engage and retain talent in this economic environment today? Yeah, it's a, um, I think. I mean, it's, it's always a challenge, right? Sort of finding great people. I, and I, and what we really didn't want to do with, the, especially with the integration, is lose people on the way, uh, either just because of how the integration was happening. And so we we spent a lot of time uh, with our employees, you know, getting feedback to make sure, like, that everyone feels like they're heard uh, along the way. I think, right? We're super fortunate right now, right? We have a great story to tell in the industry, and and you know, I recognize that, and I'm, um, we're really fortunate, right? If you look at the business. Every segment that we're in is growing at, you know, double digit rate. So huge success in terms of just like the business in general and kind of what we're doing in the marketplace. And then if if I look at like what what motivates our people who are here today, right, it's it's really uh, the people that they're working with. It's the career growth that, you know, they're able to have, especially as we brought these businesses together. Right. So many people have had an opportunity to step up into a bigger role. Uh, or been more excited about, you know, what does the business look like now that we're a global business, not just sort of a, a U.S. only business even. And then they see us saying, okay, let's roll out a much more formal training and development plan for everybody, right? Like what, what is the career path that everybody wants to have here? Like what's, what's, what do you want to do next, right? How do we sort of support you in terms of training that you want to go have? And so I, I think people see that direct willingness of the company to really sort of invest in people, right? They see they see um, and not just an upgrade to like benefits and lead policies and all those types of things, which I, I know by far we're the industry leader on, but it's really things like, hey, when you're on vacation, like you should be on vacation. Like, yeah. don't like let's not have you working while you're on vacation and, and really trying to be respectful of people's, you know, work-life balance, trying to make sure that, yeah, everyone's working really hard, but, you know, everyone also needs some time to, you know, decompress and just sort of get some time away and, and, we don't want people jeopardizing, you know, their families along the way. And, and in the short term, you know, maybe it accomplishes our goals, but, you know, in the long term, it's not it, it's not not healthy. Um, so if you just look at the business, right, we rolled out the new brand globally, which is super exciting. Um, I, I think the, the global nature of our business is really exciting. I think we're but 
I think we're about to make an announcement this week, actually, about something in Italy and Rome. So be on the lookout uh, for that. Hopefully it won't be a spoiler alert when this goes out. So there's there's just a lot happening in the business that I think people get really sort of rallied behind and excited for. And I think that helps us retain the people that we have. It helps them keep to keep them engaged. Right. Our people become one of our best sources for referrals of, of new of, uh, new candidates that we hire. We've got a fantastic team on our sort of our people team that is all over, you know, employee engagement, you know, benefits, recruiting. So I think from that perspective, right, that's been really well. We've been recognized a lot of the leading uh, employer publications. So I think, I think, you know, word gets out pretty quickly, right? People see that. I think, you know, our employees are super excited to work here. You know, we have a huge focus on recognition of employees. I think that then sort of spills over and, and puts us in a position to help recruit more successfully. But it is, I think, you know, based to your question uh, to begin with, it is really hard to find great people and you're trying to find people who are, you know, smart, motivated, driven culturally that, you know, are going to sort of fit in with, with the direction we're taking the company. So, uh, you know, to me, this is, that's one of the most important areas uh, for us to focus on. And, and I've been, uh, I think, pleasantly surprised with the integration effort, right? It's been a ton of work, but, it, but it's exciting to see how excited other people are about, how do we take all these parts of the business that we had before and now turn it into something that's, you know, three or four times larger by integrating all these companies together uh, as well. So it's, it's an exciting time. Christos, I've heard fantastic things about you as a leader. And uh, I'd like to know what are your, like your foundational leadership principles that guide you every day? Like who, who are you as a leader? Right. I think, well, thank you for, uh, for the feedback. Um, you know, we, we, like I said, we have a great team. I think if I look at like, what, how do I think of myself and in, in my role and, and what has led to us being successful? I think, you know, first and foremost, it, it's, it's leading by example and that's myself and the rest of the executive team. And that's, you know, the behaviors that we have every day. It's the values that we exude across the organization, right? It's the work ethic. It's, the ability to be hands-on and sort of work with the team, not to sort of tell people what to, what, you know, they should be doing. Um, you know, it's operating with transparency, you know, honesty, respect for people, uh, being, you know, empathetic. It's being a good listener to, to people like, let, you know, how is it going, right? Taking the time to, to meet with people. I mean, I, I love being in the office and just talking to people, right? So I think a lot of it is just, you know, the, the behaviors people see, and that's, you know, super important. I think that can't be sort of underestimated. And I think the other, you know, maybe one other uh, item is really empowerment of the team, right? I mean, I, to me, what really excites people is, you know, when they have a direct say in the work and they're making decisions and they're part of the team that's making things happen. And so for people to be motivated and engaged, right, they have to be sort of empowered to make decisions and, and people make good decisions, right? I mean, I'm not, uh, there's zero, zero concern that someone's just going to make a terrible decision. In fact, if anything, people generally are more cautious, you know, and looking for sort of validation before making the decision that's already sort of the right decision. And yeah, there'll always be some learnings along the way, but I think, you know, it's really important that the team feels like, you know, they're empowered. And, you know, frankly, I feel like my job is to say, you know, what else do you need, right? Do you need more resources, right? Do you need people? Is it tools? Is there, you know, thought around sort of customer solutions or operational stuff that's becoming problematic that, you know, needs to get addressed. Like, let me help remove the barriers for the team to be successful. And, and, you know, I love that. I love going to conferences and, you know, the team is the one speaking at conferences, you know, not even myself. Like I, 
I love to see that and to see, you know, how people are developing their, you know, their careers. And so I think, you know, that's a big piece. I think culture, like we talked about before, is, you know, hugely important. So I see a big part of my role in making sure, like, we're promoting the culture that we want sort of as a business. And we're, you know, quick to call out areas that need to be addressed and quick to take action to address those and quick to um, ensure, you know, we're also recognizing and sort of rewarding the right people, right? I mean, that to me, that's that's probably one of the other areas where we have a lot of people doing a lot of great things. And, you know, I love making sure that people have an opportunity and outlet to get recognized for the, for the great work that they're doing. And, and you know, that's exciting. And I think, you know, I'm, I've got the, the benefit of sort of... Uh, having the lens for the organization, not just in the US, but globally globally as well. So I see a big part of what I can do to help ensure that we're facilitating that collaboration as a company across the US and globally by saying, hey, you know what, like this problem that this team's trying to solve for, like these two or three people over here would be great sort of to bring into the team to, to help, you know, help address an issue. And th for me, that's been super rewarding over the last year is really figuring out how to take you know, so many great people that we have in the U.S. and globally and involve them in, you know, everything that we're doing. And it's it's a great culture that's highly collaborative. So I think, you know, it's very welcoming and inclusive. I think nobody's, you know, like, stay out of my business. You know, I got this. I, I you know, <laughs> I know what I'm doing. So I think it's that that culture uh, that we have, you know, as a company that we want to maintain as we continue to grow is super important. But, I mean, that's that's really kind of what I view sort of my my core job around. Right. Sort of lead lead by examples with all the traits. Right, empower the team, promote the culture, and sort of recognize and, and kind of reward people and, and make sure everyone is getting, you know, what they need. Hmm. You know, and I just hear the common themes throughout this entire episode of just invest in people, 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 and customers are people, right? That's so right. it's about the customer, it's about your people, it's about your team, it's about I mean, I just think that that Bolden has it uh has the priorities in the right place. So um I have no doubt what that you're gonna accomplish great things. In fact, let's talk about the great things you're gonna accomplish. Let's look at the future. What is that? What's your vision? Where where are you going? Where are you going in five years? Yeah. So five years, you know, I uh five years, there's a lot, a lot happening, right? If I look at the business today that I talked about, right? We've got double digit growth in each segment. So if you fast forward five years, right, we'll double. I have no doubt we'll at a minimum sort of double the size of the business just based upon kind of what's happening today. Um I think that's really kind of exclusive of what I would say is the opportunity around that private network business that we talked about. So I'm a, I'm a huge believer in that, right? We're investing heavily in the team and the technology, uh, you know, the systems and the knock and the sock and all the stuff that's, you know, kind of comes with that. Uh, so I'm super excited for how big that sort of private network business will become. And then the mark, the marketplace that that opens up that otherwise wouldn't have been sort of traditional uh, customers for ourselves. And then, I think the other big part of what I do is also help the company globally as well. So I think if I fast forward even beyond the U.S. and say, you know, where else can we grow this business, you know, globally? Uh, you know, there's a lot of other countries that I think, you know, five years from now we're going to be in that we're not in today as well. And so, you know, I think we'll always be measured in terms of, you know, where we go and kind of how we enter into new markets. But there's sort of a lot of work and a lot of focus being done in terms of uh, new market sort of entry as well. And, you know, we'll, I think we'll always sort of look at acquisition opportunities along the way. I mean, certainly we have a, a team that's capable to do that. And, you know, I think where it makes sense for strategic and sort of growth reasons, you know, maybe we do that. But the, the core of the business is still, you know, organic growth, right? New networks, stay focused on the customer. Um, 
but it's an exciting time. I think, you know, we'll uh, be double the size at a minimum in five years. You know, we're still being all the segments that we're in today that I described will be there. Plus private networks, I think will be a huge one uh, that gets added on. I think revenue will be more diversified on the enterprise side, more so than sort of carrier focus, just based on, you know, what we talked about in terms of the customers uh, now sort of opening up beyond just the carriers to be, you know, the enterprises, even for neutral host DAS, uh, DAS installations. And then I'm super pumped for the global expansion of the business as well. And what's been nice is, you know, we have a lot of customers that operate global portfolios today. And so, you know, for really kind of the first time now under the Bolden umbrella that we're able to, you know, sit down with our customers and say, okay, here's how we're solving their connectivity in the U.S. And here's other properties that they, that they may have, whether it's in London or Italy or, you know, Hong Kong, wherever it might be, right? We've got a team that is either probably already there or, you know, it's one of the markets that, you know, we're looking to expand into. And that gives us sort of a logical way to go do that. So. I think you know we're excited for how big the the business becomes globally, even beyond just the U.S. Well, I spent three weeks in Italy this year, so it's my favorite place on earth. So, um, if you need any help out there, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep you in mind. I'm ready. I keep saying I'm ready for that Greek, you know, for the Greek island, you know, hospitality uh, initiative. But uh, we'll, we'll see. All right, Christos, thank you for pulling back the curtain and you know letting us really really see the new Bolden. And it's exciting. Like I said, I've heard wonderful things about, you know, from, from the people who work there, the leaders, and just everything that you've said is uh, is spot on for what I'm hearing on the staffing side. So um, how can we reach Bolden? What's the website? <laughs> sure. Yeah. So Bolden.com, B-O-L-D-Y-N.com, right? Which is the, it's the combination of the Bolden dynamic, uh, like I mentioned, which is really the the identity, I think, of the company going forward. And, and you know, descriptive of, you know, the types of people we're looking at, right? Ones that have sort of bold vision on what they can accomplish, ones that are dynamic and can operate as sort of in an environment that's always going to be changing and, and thrive and and real team players. So yeah, just feel free to check out the website, bolden.com. I think it'll give you everyone some description on uh, what we do, the markets we're in, you know, the roles that we're recruiting for, right? We're still, you know, despite kind of what's happening in the industry today, right? We're still significantly growing uh, our teams uh, globally, but also in the U.S. Uh, significantly. We've got a, several major projects and major initiatives going on, particularly in New York and in the Bay Area and San Francisco. So we're uh, we're hiring a lot of people. So oh, exciting times ahead. I can't wait. I can't wait. Well, Christos, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has just been my pleasure. And uh, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. So can't wait to see see what what you do. It's just it's very exciting. All right. Well, thank you, Carrie. Appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the the nice words about the culture and the business. Uh, we're excited for the team we have and to contribute, continue to contribute in the industry and, and to do a great job for our customers. So thank you very much, Carrie. Of course. Take care. Okay. Thank you for listening to another informative episode of 5G Talent Talk brought to you by RCR Wireless News, Telecom Careers, and Broadstaff Talent Solutions. As we advance into the future, we promise to bring you the resources you need to navigate this ever-changing landscape of 5G to help you attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. To access the show notes or leave a review, visit broadstaffglobal.com. Until next time.